It's the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Sean Del Grand. And we've got over 800 brand new Mazdas with outstanding incentives, like low monthly lease payments and low APR financing. Yep, it's just a great time to buy. So don't miss the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Financing on approval of credit. You're listening to Morning Tide, the official morning show podcast of the San Jose Sharks. Now, here's your host, Ted Ramey. Yeah, I think so. I think, um, you know, as a team, as a team and as, uh, you know, individuals, I don't think that anyone is really pleased with uh, the way that we played tonight. Uh, you know, it's not a representation of uh, this organization and this team. And, uh, you know, it's definitely... Uh, not one of the better ones that we've had and not what we needed right now, but, um, you know, it's moments like this that we have to stay true to ourselves and, and, you know, believe in ourselves and know, uh, you know, who we are as individuals and as a team and, and, you know, find a way to, to pull through because I think that, you know, we do a lot of good things, but uh, when things don't work out the way that you want, sometimes it gets frustrating and, and you kind of get away from that. And, and, you know, it's up to us as, as a team to, uh, to figure that out and, and, you know, find a way to, to play the way that, we're supposed to and, and find a way to win games uh, even when we're not feeling you know 100% which is most of the times uh, you know when you play in this league uh, with an 82 game schedule. I liked our first period you know I thought uh, how we came out I thought we had uh, good energy we had some good uh, execution we put up 14-15 shots you know I thought uh, you know we found ourselves in a hole and then you know I didn't think we handled it well from there. It's hard playing from behind. You start to open it up and push too hard, and then it comes back, you know, down your throat, and uh, that's what happened tonight. All right, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Morning Tide. Ted Ramey with you on a lovely Monday morning or later in the week if you're listening to this later. You do you, whatever schedule works for you. But, uh, yeah, this is, uh, this is an interesting one, getting into where the Sharks are right now. And I think that we're starting to see some of these frustrations build because they're 4-7-1. The team is not playing at the level that I think that we all agree that they're capable of, but I think there's a multitude of reasons for that. Um, And you're just not seeing the consistency and you're not seeing the team play that you want to see out of these guys. And I thought that last night's game against Ottawa, you heard in the postgame some reaction from Pete DeBoer. You heard some reaction from Eric Carlson. Logan Couture, Evander Kane, they had some choice comments that I think we're going to get into, and it's not comparable to what we saw last year when Logan Couture talked about the chemistry and the team's inability to build it, and then that kind of starting off the team on a good run from then on out. Um, I think it's, it's not that it's not comparable, I just think that it's a different application this time around, and I think that the Sharks are in a really, really unique position, and I went over some of the stats for the team And there's just a couple things that I wanted to point out. And we're going to point things out as we get through this. And I've got these numbers that I've been working on. And I, you know, it's, listen, I'm not going to throw advanced stats at you because I don't think people want to get into that um, this early in the morning. But there are some baseline numbers that we need to get into. And it's a disconnect or a somewhat of an alternate reality is what we're supposed to be seeing. And, you know, when I watch hockey, I immediately go to special teams and I think about what the Sharks are on special teams. And this is clearly one of the best teams in the league. 
They are the best team on the penalty kill in the NHL, a 93% kill rate. And really, I think if you take away that first couple of games against Las Vegas, the Sharks have been phenomenal. They killed multiple five-on-three opportunities last night. That's not easy to do. You do it once, it might be a fluke. You do it twice, it's indicative of you being just absolutely phenomenal. The Sharks on the kill are elite, and it seems like they're almost getting better. And then you combine that with the fact that the Sharks are the 10th best team in the league on the power play. They're getting almost one out of every four power play opportunities. They're turning that into a goal. They're at 23.8%, but I'm just going to round up and say that's roughly one out of four. That is a team that should be winning games. And that's what's so hard to understand right now is they're doing things correctly on those specific facets of the game, which are usually so impactful on the final outcome. If you score power play goals and you don't give up power play goals, if your kill is effective, you're going to win. But that's simply not the case right now. And we're seeing overall the Sharks team falling short. There is a emphasis on five-on-five play. There is an emphasis on guys and their overall plus-minus. There's an emphasis in a lot of directions that I think that we heard in these post-game comments that tells me the team is very much aware of where they are right now and very much aware of what they've been going through as of lately. And I wanted to get into this commentary right off the bat, um, so we'll do that. But stay tuned because we are going to talk to Brett Hedekin. I was able to interview him before the game against Ottawa last night. A lot of stuff to get into and a lot of stuff to look ahead to as well because we're not that far away from the month of November where it was 11 out of 15 of their games in the month of November were at home. And so things could get better for San Jose and there's still a chance against Boston for them to walk away with a two win, two loss, one overtime loss trip out of this roadie. So I would take that in a, in a heartbeat now at this point. And I think they can beat Boston, even though Boston is a good team right now. The Sharks have potential in every single game they play in. I don't think there's any denying that. I just think it's a matter of the team not capitalizing and not ultimately maximizing their abilities. And Pete DeBoer has said as much, and Eric Carlson has said as much, and we heard that last night in the post game. So let's talk about these five-on-five deficiencies. Getting into it, here is what Evander Kane had to say. Uh, I think you know, the first period was just a bunch of special teams, um, both sides of it. Uh, so it was really hard to kind of get anything going five-on-five for either team. Um, you know, in the second period, we uh, we did some good things, and, and obviously we we gave up too much and gave up the two goals in the period. And um, you know, we we've had we have some we have we've had some looks. Uh, we had some chances. You know, I had one there behind the net in the third to make it a one goal game. Uh, Timo had one there just before they scored. Um, you know, we we've had some looks, but we gotta obviously when you're struggling five on five to, to put the puck in it, you gotta create more offense and more opportunities for yourself to put the puck in it. So. Part of that is the way we manage the puck, um, simplifying our game a little bit through the injury zone and the defensive zone. But at the same time, you know, you got to make some plays. So, uh, but you got to make the right play at the right time. So, I think we're trying to find that balance a little bit. And right now, we're we're having a tough time doing that. And this was somewhat echoed by Logan Couture when asked the same question on the five v five struggles. Um, we gave up too many uh, too many odd mans again. And, um, you know, I don't think we spent long enough shifts in their end. Um, we had some shots, but we didn't get enough traffic around their goaltender and um, second opportunities that were there. Uh, we just weren't in the right spots. 
but uh, I think we just, we just gave up too many odd man's again. Which brings us back to head coach Pete DeBoer and his overall assessment of what's happening with the team and their relative underperformance. I think, well, I mean, you know, we're 12 games in and, and uh, you know, there's a handful of key guys for us that haven't played well yet. So that's on me to get them back to the level they need to be at, you know, and you don't, I don't mean guys at the stat sheet. There's guys with a, almost a point a game or a point a game that are, you know, if you're minus eight or ten or, you know, you're not winning hockey games like that, so. All right, let's pause right there. I don't know who he is specifically talking about, but I do know that right now the Sharks have three of the worst five plus minus rating players in the NHL. Eric Carlson is minus 11, Tomas Hurdle is minus 10, and Kevin LeBanc is minus 10. You go beyond that, you're looking at Mark Edward Vlasic. He's minus nine. Brent Burns is minus seven. Kane is minus six. But think about that. Carlson, Burns, and Vlasic, your three out-of-this-world defensemen, all have ratings of minus 11, minus nine, and minus seven, respectively. That's that's simply not going to get it done. And I think there is a, a level of rectification that will happen, but... Those might be some of the numbers that Pete DeBoer is talking about, and he could also be talking about Evander Kane, and he could also be talking about Kevin LeBanc. And listen, when you're when you're at the place that the Sharks are right now, there are fingers of blame to be pointed, but no one's doing that amongst the players, which I think is a very positive thing. I think the players are pointing the finger of blame at themselves right now, which I really appreciate. And I also think the players recognize that they themselves are making mistakes that are putting them in a bad place. Now, it's one thing for them to recognize it. It's another thing for them to stop doing it and make the corrections that will allow them to perform better on the ice. But again, I find hope in the fact that these guys are looking inwardly at themselves and the fact that, again, they're not pointing fingers of blame at each other. Pete DeBoer is the only guy that's really talking about, hey, you know, there's certain guys with these overall deficiencies in terms of their performances that's the head coach's job he's got to put that message out there because I know it you know it Pete DeBoer knows it the Sharks are simply better than this and again you have to play 82 games but as we get to the end of the month of November excuse me the month of October they are clearly not where they want to be Let's continue with where Pete DeBoer was going. And you know, we're playing from behind and uh, in a lot of these games. And instead of sticking with it and trusting, you know, the group and the system, uh, you know, everyone wants to step out and fix it themselves. And it doesn't work that way. So eventually you have to learn that lesson. So let's get into that. Game one of the year against Las Vegas, they fall behind 2 nothing. Game two of the year, they fall behind 5-0. Game three of the year, they fall behind 1-0 to Anaheim. Game four of the year, they fall behind 2-0 to Nashville. Game five of the year, their first win of the year, they fell behind 1-0 to Chicago. Game six, in which they beat Calgary 3-1, they were up 2-0, scored twice in the first period for a wire-to-wire win. Then against the Hurricanes in game seven of the year, they went up 3-1 in the first period. They had an early 1-0 lead. Then it was the loss to the Sabres, falling behind 1-0. Then they go out on this road trip. The Sharks scored first. They scored first twice, if you want to get into it that completely. They were up 2-0 after the first period. 
Then they ended up getting an overtime loss. So you get a point out of that one, but still, you score twice in the first period. You feel that this Sharks team is talented enough to win it. In Montreal, the Habs strike first, putting the Sharks in an early 1-0 deficit, but they scored four unanswered for the win. Against Toronto, they scored first, but then gave up four unanswered, falling 4-1. to one. And then that brings us to last night, where again, Ottawa was the team to score first. So clearly, they are putting themselves at a disadvantage. They are giving up early goals and they are also giving up late period goals, and those are just killer. Those are gut punches. Here's Pete DeBoer on those late period goals. Yeah, it's a tough one, you know. But I mean, they're all tough. I mean, it's tough. A couple of them early too. You know, and your goaltender has to help be part of the solution too. So it's not. It's not. Uh, they're not off the hook. So that's DeBoer so far putting the onus on a lot of guys. He's talking about the relative underperformance. He's talking about the fact that the goalkeepers have not been what he's wanted them to be. Again, the thing that gives me hope is that there is overall an identifiable issue and or issues going on with the Sharks right now. I think we can all see that the even strength play needs to be better. We all know that what we look at with the penalty kill and the power play is high quality. But we again, we see these late period goals. We see falling behind early. These are easily identifiable, but the question is whether or not they're easily fixable. And the reason I think they're they're easily fixable is because they have so much talent out there. I mean, you are going to look at Eric Carlson. You're going to look at Brent Burns. You're going to look at Mark Edward Vlasic. Those are three easily identifiable, high-caliber, high-profile players in the NHL. Tomas Hurdle, Logan Couture, Timo Meyer, Jumbo, Patty Marlowe. These are all high-caliber, high-profile guys in the NHL. And I listen, I'm not naming names just for the sake of naming names. I'm just saying there's talent here. And again, when you have talent, talent is talent for a reason. It has a level of performance that we've all come to expect. It has a level of performance that we all know they're capable of. And that's why I think it's only a matter of time before this all gets sorted out. But again, the guys are looking inwardly. They're not looking externally. They're not looking at outside factors, things impacting the team. No one's blaming the coach no one's blaming each other but they're calling out each other which I think is a, is a good thing to see they know what's going on and this is what the captain Logan Couture had to say after the loss last night um well I think when you're losing many games um it's, it's definitely execution I mean guys I don't think guys are going out there not trying I think guys are trying as hard as they can and, um, giving it everything they can it's just mistakes um executing mental mistakes you know, when you get, get out on a longer shift, tired mistakes, I think that's, that's hurting us a little bit right now, but it's definitely not lack of effort. Guys are, guys are trying hard. And that's the right thing for the captain to say. He should never go out there and question guys' effort. And I'm not questioning anybody's effort either, but again, he's talking about the mistakes. He's talking about the giveaways. He's talking about the mistakes they make in the defensive zone. He's talking about the mistakes they make in the neutral zone that's setting up the opposition for high-quality opportunities. Those have got to go away. Um, well, a few times we dumped their goaltender and he played the puck. He, he, he made it easier for them to break out. Um, we didn't get the second and third guy up uh, on the four check. First first guy was doing his job. Um, and then the second and third guys weren't there for him to support. Or he wasn't doing his job when the second and third guys were there. It was just a lot of things that didn't go right. And they're all seemingly aware of this too, as Evander Kane had the same assessment. Yeah, you can have one guy working his bag off. Um, but if... Uh, the other four guys in the ice aren't, aren't getting up there and, and working to, to help him on the forecheck. Uh, you're not going to get much out of it. Um, you know, we got a forecheck as a unit of five, and 
when we did that tonight, uh, you know, you saw what it created. We, we spent a lot of time in their zone and we were able to get some, some opportunities. And when we didn't do that, it was real easy for them breaking the puck out. So we can dwell on it all we want. Um, but at the end of the day, we're going against uh, a real good team in Boston who's playing some good hockey. And um, we're going to have to be ready to go for that game mentally and physically and be smart with the puck. And at the same time, you know, do what we do best as individuals, I think, just bind into our roles a little bit better and, um, you know, working towards uh, that goal and staying within yourself. All right, I need a hit of positivity, so we are going to go to the phone lines. We now have joining us Brett Hedekin, of course, player-turned-broadcaster. Hedy, what's going on, man? How are you doing? Good, Ted. Do, uh, you know, just up here on a rainy day in Ottawa, getting ready for the game tonight, Sharks versus the Senators. And this is a game that the Sharks need two points leaving this building tonight. Yes, they do. And I guess, you know, we can start out big picture talking about the San Jose Sharks because I try to not view the three-game losing streak to start the season, or the four-game, I should say, but the first three games, two against Vegas. You're without Eric Carlson for the first one, and he's dealing with a lot of stuff in his personal life with the birth of his child. Evander Kane's not out there. The team's beset by injuries. But after those first three games, we've seen high-caliber play from the Sharks, but we've also kind of seen the other end of the spectrum for the team where they maybe haven't you know, lived up to their own level of lofty expectations. What's your 30,000-foot view on the club right now as they stand, you know, with a couple games left on this roadie, but just kind of going back and forth a little bit? Yeah, I think you're accurate when you talk about um, just the start of the season, kind of a, a disjointed with Kane being out with the suspension. And you mentioned uh, Eric Carlson, the birth of his, his daughter, and, and – a few injuries also the team I think over the course of the summer and the management wanted to have uh, or at least give some of the younger guys a look and you know the reality of that is the fact that you you know you get into an NHL game and when you're a 19 or 20 or even 21 year old kid and uh, sometimes those steps don't come as easy as you'd like for a young player and and consequently I think eventually that led to Patrick Marlowe being signed uh, with the Sharks but the Chicago was his first game he instantly made an impact but an overall look at them if if you take what you see on paper and you give it a good hard look on the roster with the san jose sharks you see a very talented group for the most part you know there's some holes i would say what i like to call the second six uh that's the third and fourth line Mm -hmm. um i say second six because you can never win a stanley cup with what they call a, a top six and then a bottom six it just doesn't work that way you need a second six that can be uh, instrumental with the depth of the team and can pick up the torch on nights that your top two lines are getting shut down and so I think that second six for me has been you know a little bit of a hole right now I think overall though that's not really their problem. I mean, their problem for me is the defensive zone, the coverage, uh, the way they have been playing in the defensive zone. They're giving up way too many chances. And because of that, um, their goaltenders have been put to test. And some nights they're there, like the other night in Montreal, I, I thought Aaron Dell was exceptional. Matter of fact, I looked at some stats recently about that performance, and it basically said that he had the fourth best performance, goalie performance of the season of wow. any goalie. So, um, that, and that's the reason why they're giving up too many chances and too many quality chances in that department. But he you know, basically stole that game in Montreal. So overall, better. It's trending better, but still too many chances against in the defensive zone. I want to uh, circle back to that in a second. But while we talked about Eric Carlson, I think there's a, a misconception among um, 
people that athletes when they have a child over the course of their career that they all they can almost skirt those responsibilities and you know your two kids came along later in your career but still obviously you know you were being a, an everyday player while having young children if you could just for a moment just comment upon that because I and correct me if I'm wrong but I don't think your wife is the type of person who's going to let you uh, skirt on your responsibilities just because you were also an athlete at the same time no, you're exactly right. I, I didn't skirt around. I mean, although, you know, some nights when it was a game night, you know, when you need your rest, uh, you know, my wife, Christy, would, you know, take our daughter in the other room if it was crying. If she was crying, I should say not yet. Uh, it's like, sorry, gal. Sorry, Kira and Emma, my daughters. I did not mean to call you it. Um, but, you know, I think with the with the difficult scenarios that you get with you know raising a child when you're playing in, a, in the NHL meaning you know kind of disrupting your sleeping patterns um, I would say that it also can you know outweigh the fact that you are a father for the first time and uh, and the fact that you're just a dad that's you know seeing this whole new world of life mm-hmm. you know I, I I just remember me being extremely proud and and just like everything was making sense right i mean it's like this is what the life's all about is you know to raise a family and and now i'm i've got a career and a job that i'm you know playing hockey that i'm providing for these uh, two kids that we're raising so um it can give you that counterbalance i should have said mm-hmm. is is what i'm trying to the word i was looking for the fact that that counterbalance is you know the, the bad and the good they wash each other out and, and you know what you're if anything that adrenaline should give you a boost so hopefully eric carlson will find a balance i think he has on this road trip i think you can see that now that his child has been brought home uh his daughter from the hospital and everybody seems to be doing well he seems to be doing well and seems to be playing some good hockey now yeah and that's the thing is like especially and you know from being a defenseman that you know people are say oh he had a bad giveaway on such and such play but i've looked at eric carlson and seen him it seems like he's getting better with every passing game I agree I think there's been nights just on this road trip where a particular period he's dominated he's been the best player on the ice and in some nights he's not even close so I think for him it's you know he doesn't need to do too much in the defensive zone I like when he plays a simple brand uh, in his own zone where he's not trying to force a pass even though he you know most guys wouldn't think about making the pass or even look for the pass that he looks for in the defensive zone, sometimes through a body or two. And a lot of times he makes it, but you know, he doesn't need to make those passes in the defensive zone. And I think understanding that here uh, playing for the sharks is going to be something that he's definitely has to, he's got to get used to. And he has to understand that it's more about playing better defensively and then allowing the offense and allowing the talent of this team be able to take over in a hockey game but mm-hmm. they can't do it with him making passes up the middle and being turned over do you at least appreciate the uh aggressiveness at sometimes because that's that that high risk play where if he pulls it off everybody you know they kind of they, they cringe and then sometimes it pays off so i mean how, how, do, how did you look at that well you know uh, yeah there's there's nights where when he's not long in the the shift length and he takes a risk and if it doesn't happen for him he's able to get back I think the risk reward in managing your shift length is where, you know, the other maybe problem that Eric had gotten into problems or trouble with, if you will, um, you know, in the early parts of the season, the fact that, you know, if he's been out there a while and now he takes a risk in the offensive zone where he's trying to pinch or stay in when he should be retreating because he just doesn't have the legs to get back. And so, you know, I love, you know, with talented players like him, 
I, I love watching them because I didn't think like the way they, they do, right? <laughs> I didn't have that uh, the guts to be able to hang in there when you've been out there for a minute and him still trying to make an offensive zone play or, or take a risk. But this guy can do it, and he's got the ability to really make you know terrific plays. But you know he's he's finding a rhythm without question. One of the things that people have talked about is the the late period goals the team has given up as of late, and that's one of those things that always just seems like such a gut punch because you're about to go into the break, you look like you're feeling good, and then suddenly the other team, whether it's one that you know ties the game or gets them back into it, what's your response to those? It was. It was a gut punch the other night, the one in, in Toronto, and, and the other ones that they've, they've given up too. I mean, you're right. It's been a little bit of a trend here that needs to be corrected. Um, you know, if I'm in the locker room and I'm a San Jose Shark and I'm a player, you don't want to hear about it. You don't want to hear a trend. You don't want to hear anything. You just know that when the game is the period or the game's closing down, that you're there to ice it. You're there to get out there and make a play. So, you know, I think for, for me, it's really about mindset. It's knowing the clock, understanding it. I think the other night, you know, Brendan Dillon, Evander Kane, guys that, you know, probably know better uh, doing, making the decisions they made to, to lead to that goal just can't happen. So uh, one of my keys tonight is, you know, stay on the inside. Mm-hmm. Basically, you know, keep your body between your own net and the attacking player. I mean, it's it's really simple concept, but, you know, with a minute to go in a period, I mean, that, that's got to be paramount, and hopefully they can get that done here tonight. You know, I am a bit of a Pete DeBoer apologist just because I'm a fan of his style and I'm a fan of everything that his his whole interactions with the media, the way he talks about his, his game, his philosophy. But, you know, a lot of people have been wondering why he hasn't, quote-unquote, been more stern in his reaction to the team or he, while he's never willing to hit the panic button. I mean, the first thing that he talked about when they dropped the first four games of the year was, hey, you know, we didn't really get rolling my first year until around Christmas time, and it take took a while. He compared that year, the team was learning his system this year he's got new players learning his system and younger players learning his system you know does that not panicking mentality does that calm the team does having the coach know that 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 the guys know that he has their back in a sense does that allow the group to come together a little bit more I think that's a good point Ted and I I like it I I think you know if a coach was panicking and then a lot of times the the team in front of them will be be panicky right and with his calmness and his ability to say, listen, guys, the first 10 games, and that's what we've played so far, 10 games in the season, we lost the segment. And if you look at a lot of teams will break, you know, the, the season into five game segments mm-hmm. or 10 game. And if, if you look at what Pete had mentioned, uh, you know, the first 10 games of the season here, that's a 10 game segment. We, we lost, but the good news is, is we got the next 10 game segment right here tonight, starting tonight. So, Let's tr- let's change that and see if we can move, you know, more towards that 500 mark and beyond with this 10 game segment. So I think, you know, understanding that system that he's implemented with some of these young guys that are that are trying to get integrated into that second six, and then obviously having a full lineup in now yeah. uh, for the full 10 game segment. You know, let's let's see what happens here. But again, back to my original statement, it really comes down to uh, the the concept of defensive zone you know, I guess tenacity uh, and really keeping your body on the inside. Love it, Brett. Well, I'll let you go because I know you've got a, uh, a game to broadcast, so have a great call. Always a pleasure talking with you, and I'll see you back at the uh, tank real soon, all right? Thanks, Ted. We'll, we'll see you next week. Uh, we have a good good road trip or a big homestand here coming up, so it'll be fun to see you. Brett Hedekin, ladies and gentlemen, always given a good assessment of the Sharks, and again, we're just spoiled in the Bay Area. We have so many good broadcasters, especially on this Sharks team, and uh, I love what these guys bring to every broadcast, every conversation I have with them about the team. Even if uh, even if the team isn't playing well, 
as right now, I think that there's, you know, they're four, seven, and one. You can't gloss over that. I think that when I talk to Hetty, when I talk to Bakes, when I talk to Scott Hannon, when I talk to all these former players, there is the sense that this is all correctable. And I don't think you can look at the Sharks and see things that aren't correctable, like we've alluded to, like the late period goals, like the fact that they're having trouble on even strength play. And let me just point out some numbers for you, because I think these are things that we have to have to get into. When the Sharks win the five-on-five battle, they're 1-0-1. When they tie the five-on-five battle, they're 2-0-0. And when they lose the five-on-five battle, they're 1-7-0. So that just shows you how much the even strength stuff comes into effect. Even when we've talked about how they are elite in the special teams play, it's the even strength that's doing them in. And that has to change. And I think it will change simply because Pete DeBoer knows exactly how to coax it out of these guys, and he's not panicking. I mean, that's the thing, and I know I alluded to this with Brett Hedekin in the interview, but Pete DeBoer has been around enough to know not to panic, and he's not going to undermine his guys, and he's not going to go out there and specifically name names. But listen, he addressed the fact that guys are not buying into what he wants to do or they're not committing enough to the plan, and it's costing them. And when they're chasing games and trying to go out there and play at a higher level, they start gripping. And Eric Carlson acknowledged as much after last night's loss. No, I don't think we're we're at that point yet. But you know, we're definitely in the uh, limbo right now. Where uh, you know we have to find a way to uh, you know become a more consistent team and and you know find a way to uh, to play the way that we need to to be successful out there and put ourselves in situations. Uh, where we have chances to win games and you're not going to win every game but you still have to find a way to play uh, you know the same way uh, most of the nights and and the nights even the nights and you don't have it you know find ways to to grind it out and and I think that you know this is a group that's shown that uh, before that you know we can do that uh, I think that uh, you know we just have to find back uh, find find that again and and again I think uh, you know times like this when times are tough um, you know, it's easy to uh, point fingers and, uh, you know, blame certain things. But I think that, you know, each and everybody has to look at themselves and, and realize what you can do better for, for the team to be successful and, and, you know, stick together as a group. Uh, we have a good group of guys in there and, and you know, we're going to do everything that we can uh, to figure this, uh, figure this out because we know what type of team we are. We know the expectations that, you know, is on us and we know what our end goal is. And, and right now it seems like it's far away, but, uh, you know, it, we don't have to look that far. I think that, uh, you know, the solution is right in that room and, and you know we're going to find a way to figure that out as soon as possible and I love that sentiment from Carlson at the end there because it also speaks to the fact that he's aware that the answer is within the team but it also is the most of a leadership role we've seen from Carlson so far and I think that there was a little bit of trepidation last year because he was new to the team he was a big star coming into a building with a lot of big stars already and he didn't want to step on anyone's toes but I think that Right now, given the inconsistencies of the team, he saw his opportunity to build confidence uh, in his team. Because I, I think we all know these guys all hear what everybody is saying. So again, the one big takeaway from what Eric Carlson just said. We know what type of team we are. We know the expectations that, you know, is on us and we know what our end goal is. And right now it seems like it's far away, but, uh, you know, it, we don't have to look that far. I think that, uh, you know, the solution is right in that room and, and you know, we're going to find a way to figure that out as soon as possible. I love it. And again, it goes back to the idea that these guys are all looking internally for the answers. They're not looking externally. They're looking internally. They're looking at themselves to figure out how they can get a better performance um, from themselves, from the team, 
from everyone. They all know that there is a relative level of underperformance right now. And again, I think that when we come back in a month's time, we're probably going to be talking about a much better team and a team that's in a better situation. Just because, again, there's so much talent here. And quote-unquote talent is quote-unquote talent for a reason. They have shown it in the past. They've done it in the past. There's been a rough start to the season. But I think, again, because the problems are so easily identified, there's too many top minds on the ice in charge of what's going on that it cannot be rectified. It has to be rectified, obviously. But again, when I look at this team and I look at the minds involved on and off the ice, I believe, based on what we've seen in the past, that this is going to improve. Is there a chance I'm wrong? I suppose. I just don't think that I am. Because especially starting with this next homestand, you're at 11, you're 11 of 15 for your next game are in the tank. That is a huge boost for the Sharks. It's also at a time where I believe that the writing is on the wall, that some certain styles need to change in terms of habits we're seeing from players on the ice, whether it's giveaways, whether it's taking too much of a gamble, whether it's whatever it is, I think guys are going to come home if they get results, if they follow their role, and as they do what is being instructed and that yields results, I think that that will lead to an overall uptick in performance, and that's what it takes sometimes. Sometimes you have to go out there and you have to fail. And I think that this whole fear of failure thing in sports, I think that's the wrong way of looking at it because I don't think there's any fear in these guys. I think that Pete DeBoer is saying, I have the confidence in this team to let them go out there and fail because they will learn from these failure failures. They will learn from these mistakes and they will rectify them and this will turn around in an overall uptick in performance and it takes uptick in performance. This doesn't get fixed overnight. No team gets fixed overnight. But what you want to see is the team playing better. Because listen, 4-7-1 after 12 games, that's what is happening when you have talent, but you don't have the overall cohesion of the team. And I'm not blaming that on Pete DeBoer. I'm not blaming that on the players individually. I think it's just a lack of overall, again, cohesion. It's not all gelling together as of yet. That takes time. But if it starts to have an uptick, and then that next uptick has an uptick from there, and you just keep on building incrementally or slowly and you get better and better and better to where you're playing really good hockey by the time you get into the new year, which is what we saw last year from the Sharks. And I know people want to say, oh, well, it was Ottawa last year. Listen, that's too easy of a comparison to make and where that's just what scheduling, you know, does. (laughs) They were going to play Ottawa this year regardless. And, you know, it could have easily happened at a time when they weren't playing well. So it happened again this year. But they've got one more on this road trip. And then they come back home, and then 11 of the next 15 are at home. That is where the Sharks can get themselves right back into it. I know that there's a lot of uh, gripping out there amongst the fans. We're saying, oh, we've put ourselves in this hole. And yeah, listen, I'm not going to deny it's not a great place to be right now, but there are worse places you could be because when you have this much talent and the record does not reflect it, that to me comes back to the overall idea of a correction. This team has the talent to perform better. And I don't imagine that it's going to continue to perform as inconsistently as it has at this point. You can say I'm looking at it through rose-tinted lenses, maybe, but again, I'm looking back at a team and players that year after year after year after year are part of the greater postseason picture, are threatening for a cup each and every year. And I really can't deny that because this is such an established league with such established players 
that there's just simply not that much change year in, year out, unless you are beset suddenly by extreme old age and you're beset by financial issues and things like that. Like you look at what happened to the the SoCal teams of recent nature between the Kings and the Ducks. And again, there were injuries. Um, there were teams that got old. There were teams that had issues with the cap. That's what happens. But the Sharks are not there. And Doug Wilson has done a really good job of making sure the Sharks have not gotten there. And listen, I understand there's two 40-year-olds on the roster in Jumbo and Patty Marlowe, but they're, to me, both capable of playing at a very, very high level. And actually, Patrick Marlowe, even though he has played fewer games than the rest of the mainstays of the Sharks, he's got the team's best plus-minus on the year so far. So again, age more than just a number, but not the be-all, end-all when it comes down to performance, especially not in the NHL. It's nothing new that a guy who's up there in age can still put out a high-level performance. I don't think that much has changed. I don't think that much is different. I know that the team is not structured the exact same as it was last year, and I think the team is still learning that they can't do everything they did in the same way they did it last year. But does that mean the team can't be as good and or better? Not in the slightest. You had Eric Carlson barely 100% healthy last year. It's just a matter of the team, again, performing at the level that we know they're capable of and doing it consistently and rectifying the mistakes that we see out there on the ice. Whether it's the even strength, whether it is the late period goals, whether it is falling behind early, there are fixes to these problems. It's simply a matter of fixing them. All right, that wraps it up for this edition of Morning Tide. A big thanks to Brett Hedekin for making some time available for me to chat with him. And I look forward to, after this game in Boston, seeing everyone back at the tank. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off. 